0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the home recording made easy.com podcast. My name is David Vignola. This is episode 20 and the first episode of year 2021. I hope you all had a great, happy, safe holiday season. Let's kick off 2021 with the 10 things that you should be doing in every single mix. And this is going to be a two-part podcast this week we're going to talk about the first five things next week we're going to talk about the next five things that you should be doing in every mix this is part one of two so sit back relax get yourself a pad a pen and a cool drink and before you finish this podcast make sure you give me a five-star review make sure you share this podcast with others it really helps me so now let's talk about the first five things you should be doing in every mix right here on the home recording made easy.com podcast Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to episode 20. This is what I'm kind of coining as season two. Season one had 19 episodes in it last year in year 2020. We are in year 2021. So this is season two. But this is the 20th episode, so you can consider this either season two, episode one, or this is episode 20, however you want to look at it. But I want to thank you all for listening and coming back. I hope, after all the craziness going on in year 2020, that we have a better year 2021 and that you and your family and your loved ones are safe and healthy and you had at least as good of a holiday season as humanly possible. So I want to thank all of you for all your continued support in year 2020, and I hope you continue to support me, Home Recording Made Easy, this podcast, and everything else that I do, because I am here to serve you. So, if you have any show ideas and podcast ideas and things you want me to talk about on future episodes of this podcast, so we can keep this thing going, please do me a favor. After this uh, podcast, send me an email to info at home recordingmadeeasy.com. Again, links will be in the show notes below. Send me an email and let me know. Say, Dave, can you cover this topic on the podcast? This interests me. And I will be sure to get those stuff into future episodes. So, this week this is part 1 of a two-part episode. We're going to do this week and next week. This we're going the whole thing is called the 10 things you should be doing in every mix. This we're this week we're going to talk about the first 5 things. The first 5 best practices of 10 that you should be doing in every single mix. This is something that I do in every single mix and what this is going to do is it's not only going to help you build a more consistent workflow, but it's also going to help you turn out more consistent mixes. And you're going to start to identify and create your own signature sound for your mix style, regardless of the style of music. And that's super important. Okay. So let's talk about that. So the first tip, tip number one, or the first thing that you should be doing is proper gain staging. Okay. We've talked about gain staging before. There are several videos on the Home Recording Made Easy YouTube channel talking about gain staging and how to do it. So go check out those videos if you haven't but I basically want to give you an overall generalized statement to gain staging. You want to make sure that your individual tracks, the recorded material before you put on any plugins, do not exceed around a negative 12 dB. And that the accumulative effect of all those individual tracks, when you get down to your master fader, that your master fader is not, is not uh, going above about a negative 10 to a negative 12 dB. Now, this is a guideline. It could be negative nine. It could be negative 13, but negative 10 to negative 12 across all the individual tracks. And actually on the individual tracks, especially if you have a lot of tracks, more than say 24 tracks in a session, you may want those tracks to be somewhere around a negative 15 to a negative 18 dB, because when you play back the audio, all the tracks in the session that are not, that are none of them being muted, The accumulative effect of that on your master fader is going to get you somewhere around a negative 10, negative 12, which is where you want to start. You want to start there because when you start adding processing like EQ and compression and saturation and some of the other tools that we use, which we've talked about in other podcasts, you're going to add about four or five dB maybe 6 dB of volume to your mix. You're going to start your mix around a negative 10, negative 12 on the master fader. You're going to end up somewhere around a negative 6 on the master fader before you go to mastering. Okay, proper gain staging is really going to help you um, through the process. Okay, so starting off before you put any plugins on, all your tracks, make sure each individual track is not peaking above about a negative 12. It could be even like a negative 15, And the accumulative effect is negative 10 to negative 12 on the master bus. If you do this, you're going to have a much easier time mixing. You're not going to have to constantly worry about tracks clipping or the master fader clipping, and you got to stop and turn things down. And when you turn things down, you have now messed up the relationship between the different elements of the mix, right? Volume wise, and you have to kind of remix your song from a volume perspective. So if you start off with proper gain staging, it's really going to help you. So that's tip number one. Tip number two that I highly recommend that you do in every mix is create a busing system. I do this in every single mix. And this is something you have to do, but this is something it's convenient. Create buses For your main instruments, for example, guitars, drums, bass, keys, vocals, background vocals, this will allow you to quickly mix the song and get a good idea of the direction the mix needs to go in before treating individual tracks. So, for example, if you have a drum kit, you have a kick track, a snare track, tom one, tom two, overheads, rooms. For example, pretty typical multi-track drum setup. You want to route that down to a drum bus. where you control the whole drum kit on one fader, okay? Same thing with guitars. If you have all your electric guitars, you may want to bust them to an electric guitar bus. If you have acoustic guitars, maybe bust them to an acoustic guitar bus. Typically in one of my mixes, I'll have between six and eight, um, nine maybe, buses. That I start off with all the faders on those buses, by the way, at Unity, zero dB. But before you start processing, you can do a quick little balance and kind of get an overall direction of where things are going. And during the course of the mix, let's say you start off the mix mixing your drums and you go through your drums, your bass, your guitar, your vocals, your horns, your keys, percussion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you get down to the end of the mix and you realize the drums need to be just a touch louder. Well, you could just take the drum bus and just bump it up a couple of dB. Okay, it's a good practice, not to mention when you have a bussing system, you can also add additional saturation, console emulation and some things on those buses to help further um, give you some more polish and some more sonic characteristic to your mix. So I highly recommend the bussing system, even if I only have, for example, one bass track, I will route that bass to a bass bus. You may say, well, why would you do that? Because I like to keep things consistent. Again, I can treat the bass, and then I can treat the bass bus a little separately. You don't have to do it that way. But if I'm starting off with one bass guitar, and I'm routing it to a bass bus, and I get part of the way through the mix, I may think, well, you know, maybe I want to duplicate that bass track, and on that second bass track... I want to add some distortion to give it a little bit of grit to the bass guitar. Well, now I'll take both of those bass tracks and route it to the bass bus. See what I mean? So either I would highly recommend you create a busing system. To me, it's worked wonders for my workflow, and I I would encourage you to at least give it a try. Okay? So that's uh, tip number two. Tip number three is use high-pass filters properly. And again, a general statement is use high-pass filters on all your tracks to clean up the low end. Pardon me while I take a sip of water. You notice how I said all your tracks. High pass filter, or some people call it a low cut filter, however you want to call it. Okay? Yes, that even means on kick drums and bass guitars, even though that's where the low end resides, you still want to do a high pass filter or a low cut filter. Somewhere around the 20 hertz range, maybe on a kick drum. Maybe 40 hertz, 50 hertz, 60 hertz on a bass guitar. Right? Right? If you're going to boost a kick drum, maybe 50, 60 hertz to give it a little bit of thump, you probably want to cut the bass guitar at those frequencies. Again, every track's a little different, but those are general guidelines. And on everything else, especially snare drums, guitars, vocals, horns, keyboards, high-pass filters, low-cut filters, same thing, going to help clean up the low end and bring more focus to the low end. It's amazing how many people don't do that. And I get a lot of mixes from students that are very, very muddy on the low end. And you come to find out it's because half the tracks don't have high pass filters on them. So as a rule of thumb, use high pass filters. Now, where should you cut each one of the instruments? Well, that depends on the recorded track. And also that's for another podcast. But if you don't have my course EQ Made Easy, you should buy EQ Made Easy at homerecordingmadeeasy.com, you're going to get yourself a coupon code at the end of this podcast so you can get 30% off of that course if you don't already own it. But I go into depth on how you do just that. And I also give you um, kind of an EQ frequency cheat sheet, if you will, to help you with some of those questions. But using high passes properly on all of your tracks and cleaning up that low end goes a long, long way and you should do it. Okay? Pardon me. Tip number four compression or use compression in stages. Okay. Gentle compression on, as each plugin um, use gentle compression as each plugin adds a level of compression, especially when you use third-party plugins. So let me explain. So a lot of what I teach in a lot of my mixing courses, not all of them, but a lot of them, we talk about using things like tape machines and console emulators and channel strips and saturators. Everything that I just mentioned there, every one of those types of plugins in and of, in and of itself acts like a compressor. And so when you compress, let's say that kick drum, for example, and let's say the first plugin on your insert is a tape machine. Well, that's going to add some compression. The second plugin may be, let's say, a console emulator. That's going to add a little bit of compression, even though it's not a compressor. The third plugin might be a compressor or a channel strip that has a compressor in it. That's a third level of compression, right? And then that's going to go down to a drum bus, as we talked about a few seconds ago, when maybe the drum bus has a drum bus compressor on it. <laughs> that's four stages of compression for that kick drum. And then from the drum bus, where does it go? It goes to the master fader. And what do you typically put on a master fader? Among other things, a master bus compressor that's five levels of compression. And then if you add any kind of tape on that master bus or any kind of saturation, that can be six, seven, up to eight levels of compression on one single kick track. So when you do gentle compression at each one of those stages, you're gonna get a lot of compression on that track as it is, okay? And you won't over compress. Again, one of the biggest things and the hardest things for a newbie to get wrapped their head around is compression. And the reason why is it's the hardest thing for someone who's new to mixing to be able to hear compression and how it works. The only way they can obviously hear it is to really overdo it and exaggerate it. And when you do that, you squash the life and the dynamics out of a track or out of a song, and it makes the mix sound flat, Okay. Compression can be used to make things sound bigger, but overused, it will make things sound smaller. So when I teach compression, I teach it in using it in stages with gentle amounts of compression. Now, yes, there is a time where you over compress things, things like parallel compression, which we'll talk about in another episode. Okay. But in general terms, as a general kind of a guideline, compression in stages, gentle compression, because each one of the plugins that you're using is adding a compressor, whether it's called a compressor or not. And if you're new to compression, or if you struggle with compression, or you're not sure how to hear compression, or some of this kind of makes sense, but you're not really have your whole head wrapped around it yet, then I highly recommend the training course, Compression Made Easy. Okay, I have courses for all this stuff, guys. (laughs) Just like EQ Made Easy, Compression Made Easy will not only teach you in depth what I'm talking about when we talk about compression, but we spend a lot of time so you can understand how to listen for compression, how to hear compression, and then more importantly, how to effectively apply compression to different instruments and different styles of music across your mix. Again, stay till the end of the episode and you'll get yourself a coupon code and you can get a discount on Compression Made Easy if you don't own it. But Compression made easy, and compression in stages is tip number four. And then lastly for this week, tip number five, I call this manage the mid-range. This is another big one. When you have a mix, especially a dense mix that has lots of layers of guitars, maybe horns and keyboards and vocals and background vocals, those are all very mid-range heavy instruments. And if you don't do cutting of your mid-range... Small cuts on certain instrumentation, your mix is going to sound very honky, very, um, uh, what's the word? Very, uh, could be nasally honky, very cardboard, hollow sounding. Okay, when you watch my mixing courses, you'll see on most drums, I'm always cutting out the mid range between four and 500 hertz, just a couple of dB on a snare drum, on toms, on overheads, okay? Always on acoustic guitars, typically on electric guitars, a little bit, even a tiny bit on vocals, depending on how many vocal tracks there are, keyboards, horns, making sure that you don't have all the instruments fighting for those mid-range frequencies. Between four and 500 hertz or 350 and 500 in that ballpark is typically where you hear that hollow, honky, boxy kind of a sound in most instruments. Again, we talk a lot about this at EQ Made Easy. Okay, so manage the mid-range. Okay, don't have all these mid-range heavy instruments fighting for that mid-range space in your frequency layout. Cut some of the mid-range. Don't scoop it. It doesn't have to sound like a heavy metal track unless you're mixing heavy metal. But cut it a little bit. What that's going to do is it's going to clean up the mud in the middle and it's going to accentuate some of the high end without having to boost it with an EQ. And again, I talk a lot about that EQ made easy. So manage the mid-range. Okay, so in summary, proper gain staging number one, create a busing system number two, use high pass filters properly number three, use compression in stages number four, and manage the mid-range number five. Those are the first five things out of 10 that you should be doing in every single Mix to some degree. Next week, we're going to talk about the next five things that you can do. Okay. So, before we leave and before we take off, I want to mention a couple of things. First off, I want you to make sure that you subscribe, like, and share this podcast with others if you found it helpful to you, because it really does help me and I really do appreciate it. Also, if this is your first time here and you've never been to home recordingmadeeasy.com, I want to give you a free gift go to homerecordingmadeeasy.com. I want to give you a free mixing course. It's right on the homepage. Click on the orange button. You'll get that uh, free mixing course delivered to you. And for you or anyone else visiting the website, if you want to pick up one of the training courses on the website, I want to give you a special coupon code. The coupon code is podcast30, podcast30. Put that at checkout. That will take 30% off any single title training course on my website. Again, all the notes and links will be in the show notes below. And last but not least, we're talking about mixing this week. If you really want to learn mixing in a very non-technical way and you want to have private one-on-one coaching with me and you want to be part of a a community of home recording musicians and aspiring audio engineers that are trying to get better at the craft of mixing, then I highly recommend you check out what I have going on at mixingmadeeasy.net and link will be in the description box below. That is the quickest way for you to really increase your mixing chops skills, understanding, and be able to turn out consistent professional sounding mixes, mix after mix, after mix, after mix. Okay. Mixing made easy, done that. And again, lastly, I want to hear from you. Let me know by sending me an email. To home recording info at home recordingmadeeasy.com. And as I said in the beginning, let me know. Is there a certain topic or idea or something that you want me to discuss on this podcast in a future episode? This up ep, this podcast is really for you guys. What do you guys want to learn about? The more you can give me some information, the better I can serve you. So until next week's episode, I've been Dave with home recording and mixing Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure you give me the thumbs up, like, share, subscribe, and I will hear you guys and see you guys and talk to you guys next week. Take care, everybody.